BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, the 1970s shooting of a Wisconsin man should have been an open and shut case. But it led the victim's niece on a decades-long search for the truth. We'll revisit our epic review of the podcast, Manslaughter. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hey, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Uh, What are we going to hear today in today's classic Crime Writers on Rewind? Well, we're going back to April 12th, 2021. Doesn't seem that long ago, but we're going to talk about our review of the dumpster fire, Manslaughter. <laughs> our famous review of Manslaughter. Yeah, this one was, I mean, no spoilers, but if you've listened, we have called back to, well, what was a pretty bad podcast. You hated this one. I think we all just, I mean, you got to listen again, and I think the longer we talked about it, the more we realized that it wasn't just bad, it was like epically bad. Have you like listened back to make sure that like we all actually hated it or just remembering that we hated it? Oh, I that's that's like not disputed. You, that's like, do you remember what your birthday is or do you have to look it up? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's take a listen. The light burning in the den snaps off. A shadow passes the windows heading up the stairwell. You can see more than one person upstairs. Then there's movement in the master bedroom. Voices. Laverne Stordock was a beloved lawman in a small Wisconsin town. In 1970, he was shot to death in his bedroom. When his wife Suzanne admitted to pulling the trigger, it seemed like justice would be swiftly served. The key reason they reduced the charge against a self-confessed killer from first-degree murder to manslaughter and then cut her a deal. That factor alone makes it quite difficult for the state to argue that the defendant was not suffering from mental disease at the time of the shooting. The murder haunted Laverne, also known as Vernie's niece, Dorothy Marsick. An academic turned amateur investigator, Dorothy, decades later looked into the old case to see if Suzanne really did it and whether others also died by her hand. You know, I went there wanting to know who murdered my uncle. My cousin Shannon and I had been trying to figure this out for years because there'd been rumors that David had been the shooter. And on that first visit, my only goal was to find out who shot Vernie. 
in the Wondery podcast, Manslaughter. I'm saying it because that's how it's spelled. Host <laughs> Molly Peterson in tandem with Dorothy goes back to the crime and its lasting effect on the lives of those touched by the case. This series is heavy on actor performances, moody music, and Dorothy switching between interview guest and scripted narrator. Now, we are going to be talking about plot points for Manslaughter. So to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Now, Kevin, I'm going to break format for a second yeah. and just say something I have Trigger warning. never before said on the show. Okay, We know, fine listener, that this podcast is about real people and that it was made by real people. And I happen to have read all of the notes written by my co-host. I know my own feelings. And I just want to say in advance, we are talking about the podcast, not the people portrayed in or talked about in the podcast, nor the people who made the podcast as people. We are talking about the podcast. And yes, that is a precursor to me saying this might sound mean, but we don't mean it to be. <laughs> OK, <laughs> so now let's talk about this podcast. Um, so let's all just, the stupid, dumb people. Let's just talk about it. So, right. Toby Ball, let's just start with like one thing. I mean, I think it's fair to say this podcast has a lot of things that we have talked about in our criticism of other shows. It perhaps has all of the things we talked about in our criticism of other shows. But one of the things that really struck me in episode one was the graphic description of the crime scene after Vern was shot. There seems to be this protracted description of blood, brains, tissue everywhere. Much of his head was gone, blown off. Blood, brains, and tissue were everywhere, splattered across the walls and floor, staining the purple bedspread, stuck to the floral wallpaper. How did you feel when you heard that? Did you feel like you were being set up for something great or something not great? You know, I've almost even forgotten about it just because so much other stuff happened between when I heard that and now that we're talking. But it was a little bit... I, I don't know. I was driving somewhere. And I was like, man, they're really like spending a lot of time talking about brains. And, you know, <laughs> extra, I think, is the word viscera. you're looking for. It was yeah. extra. I, you know, maybe that boded ill at the moment. I don't think I, I necessarily knew exactly what was about to unfold <laughs> before my ears. But uh, it wasn't promising. Kevin, your thoughts? Oh, I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> You know, people are going to listen to this, right? Uh, like right from jump, I thought, uh oh, this is going to be a problem. We had like in the first two minutes reenactments and and sound effects and writing that was over the top and then a double narrator come in. And I was like, oh, my God, what did I get us into? Mm. Um, we'll talk about that in the after show. Yeah, yeah. talk about that in the after show. That, that was a similar thought that I had. Yeah. But it was what did Kevin get us into? Uh, <laughs> But I mean, there are bigger things we could talk about here, but I mean, the sound effects, uh, like it's a Wondery podcast. Wondery has a certain style. I think this was sort of a lot of that style turned up to 11. Do you know what it was? What? It was like, you know how with a lot of Wondery podcasts, there's like some things that were like, well, this was good and this was good and this was good. Mm-hmm. other things were bad. It was like all of the bad things were the whole thing. Like that's like how it mm-hmm. struck me. It was to me, it felt like someone had listened to our show. And was like, well, I'll show them. I'll do all of the things. <laughs> it did. It was like an elaborate troll <laughs> based on our previous or episodes. Like somebody had entered it into like a computer, an AI. And real, right? Yes, like you said, Rebecca, and like real people didn't actually make it. Yeah, and it just spit it out because 
it was, I mean, you said it's all the things we say not to do, but it was like magnified. Like, yeah. where, I, I just have to, I'm sorry. It's like bothering me. Where did they get these actors? Yes. Mm. They're like, so-and-so was a lady of the town. <laughs> and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Like that one scene. Donna Briggs, daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Laverne Stordock, was honored recently at a dinner party at her home. Miss Briggs is spending two weeks in New York with the Wallace family before she and Wendy sail for England. <laughs> they were talking. I'm like, is this real? And then she came here. I'm like, what is this? Laura, what the fuck is this? Valara, one of my favorite things about the use of actors in this podcast is that they use actors so glibly. But then sometimes they use actors, but then make them sound like real people and then put phone tape sound effects on Why them? filter it to sound like it's on a phone? Who is yeah. who? And they don't Why? tell you. Yeah. And then every once in a while, they're like, so-and-so is going to be played by an actor. I'm like, like everyone else wasn't played by a freaking actor? <laughs> But it's why? like every once in a while they feel like they do have to say it. They're like, this guy's super old, so we got an actor to say the stuff because you won't understand because what he's, he's saying. senile now or something. But here's the whole thing. So this is like, okay, we're just going to be a free-for-all. Let's just do it. Right. So this whole thing. Forget all that stuff Rebecca said earlier. Listen, we have notes. Fuck the notes. There's this whole thing about... We're going to protect this person's name for reasons of privacy. By the way, for no fucking reason, because you could Google it and find it out in two seconds. And then we're going to have them played by an actor saying what they said on this thing that's written down. But then we've told you they're going to be played by an actor, but we're going to add a sound effect to sound like we talked to them on the phone. See, the problem, this in all seriousness is one of the fatal sins. The use of actors sometimes is necessary, especially when you're talking about a case where there's no audio tape or video from the time. It's all documents. Okay, so I understand the desire to use that, but they also use it so much and they also use actors filtered like they're on the telephone and they also use real people on the telephone and when you start to hear a different voice it really you didn't know whether you were listening to an actor or a real person at first and you didn't know how to evaluate what they're saying yeah because this is one moment and i said to you in a conversation I will talk about in the after show that I had with you about our marriage and you making me listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, I said, oh, my favorite character in this whole thing was one of Vern's daughters who they have a very brief piece of phone tape with where she's like, you mean how do I feel about the woman who stole my fucking inheritance? Where I'm like, oh, I love that woman. She should have been in it more. And Kevin was like, how do you know that was actually her? <laughs> well, that's the thing. And then even the lady that's the niece who's allegedly like the co-host. Who cares so much, right? I think, but I'm not totally sure, is basically reading excerpts from her book that yes. she wrote in like 1970. Yes. Maybe. But then every once in a while... She's talking from a script, but I'm not really sure when. But the book thing, I was like, so they're just reading long excerpts from the book. And then I think they're also taking long excerpts from the book with the actors. Yes. But there's there's at least one moment where she's clearly responding to a question. Yes. And she's talking naturally. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, they, just the do whole that. thing could have been like this. Just do that. Just interview Like, if the her. whole thing had been like that. I mean, it's not... The fact that she like did this investigation and stuff, I mean, that's probably something interesting there. Quite honestly, I was so distracted by everything else, like all this stuff that we've just been talking about, that I found it almost impossible to follow 
what I was supposed to be following in the story because I was just like, wait, who is this? So, Toby, let's talk about like the ways that they use her. One of the ways that they use Dorothy, which is astonishing to me, is they recreate scenes based on her memory of what happened. So there's this whole scene, and one of them that sticks out to me is Vern and Suzanne fighting over where his keys are. And this is what we hear. And I remember she ignored him. I said, where are the keys? Silence. Sue, I'm asking you a question. You can go lick yourself for all I care. Now keep in mind, Toby, this is based on our co-narrator's memory of what happened. So there's like eight layers of weirdness there, right? Yeah. Then there's another one, if memory serves, where they're at a bar. Yeah. And he wants her to go home. And she's like, uh, based on, you know, uh, accounts at the time, it might have gone something like this. And then essentially the conversation is, it's time. We got to go. I don't want to go. And then they move on to the next thing. Based on the police reports, this is how it might have gone down. I don't care what you think, Sue. I'm seeing my daughter tomorrow. Is there something I should know? There's just so many strange, strange choices that when I was thinking about, like, you know, what was the thought process behind doing this this way? Right. And I was just I I couldn't figure it out. And then I'd be thinking about that for like three or four minutes and would have no clue. And then when I'd kind of like come back to what was going on in the story, it would just be some actor talking about something and I would be lost. It's your cousin, Dorothy. Yeah. Toby, like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Dorothy. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to, before we get to the most, before we get to the most problematic thing that I think happens in the show, which I think we all agree is. Um, Kevin, I want to talk about the second most problematic thing, mm. which when I listened to it, I was like, oh, this is definitely going to be the most problematic thing. I was wrong. Um, was this weird couching around domestic violence, right? Mm. So we have this, um, it's really debatable what the internal machinations of this relationship were between Vern and Suzanne. I think it's extremely debatable, right? Because we hear a lot of things about Vern, which sort of signal that he's this like very narcissistic, charismatic, big guy. Then we hear about this troubled relationship. And then there's all this speculation about maybe Suzanne was the abuser. And then you have all these experts saying like, well, occasionally the woman can be abuser, but we always want to believe the woman. I just found the whole, like so many times they make the choice to just portray not just Suzanne, but like the whole like vixen trope, the abusive vixen trope without any supporting evidence other than Dorothy's feelings about it and the embittered kids like feelings about it did you find that as problematic as i did the way they sort of just even addressed the, the that issue third hand investigation sort of yeah what do you think about my recollections what of do you the, think about yeah. my recollections about how my aunt treated my uncle yeah i mean i think i know the thing you're going to talk about next yeah i mean <laughs> you do there was there was some like value to some of that and you know is it possible that this is one of those cases where the wife is the aggressor. Well, I mean, what evidence do you have? Well, he she did shoot him. Uh, you know, so Did she? Or did she, right? That Dorothy says she didn't. And yet we're still investigating. Right. What well, the look actual at, fuck? Look at I I do think it's important to tell the stories of women and trauma, but to quote our friend Dr. Marsha Chatlin, this is an imperfect vehicle for that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Laura, we do hear like at the end of episode one, right? 
Dorothy says she doesn't think Suzanne did it, right? And then we spend four more episodes dissecting that Suzanne probably did it by, like, characterizing her her love of life insurance money. I mean, the whole thing is, like, false advertising because if you go online and you read the description of this podcast and what it promises to deliver, how a single bullet disrupted many lives with in-depth psychological analysis from the online course that I signed up for and got certified (laughs) as. I mean, it's like nonsense. It's just nonsense. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that, except yes, she does see just like the podcast, just like the podcast. But yes, I'm just going to give our listeners like a little bit of a transparent moment here. So we um, were taping this podcast today. Today is Thursday, right? So this yeah. last episode, the first episode Kai came out yesterday, right. right? So we all like listened to this and we all were sort of slacking about it. And I, I didn't know. I mean, this is a longish podcast. So I was like, listen, uh, you know, listen to as much as you can. We'll get it done. So yesterday I happened to catch up on the whole series on my walk. So I listened to episode four, which was the very fucking boring insurance episode, which just talked about insurance policies for no reason for like a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then because my walk was long, I saw there was a new episode five and I started listening and I texted you all of you immediately. And I was like, listen, even if you've only listened to episode three. Listen to episode five. We have a lot to talk about. So let's just talk about what happens there because Laura just indicated that it was troubling to her. We have our co-narrator slash author of the possibly self-published book, who is apparently like a real academic with a real career, giving her uncle's wife, who she said didn't kill her uncle, but somehow implicates, a third party psychopath evaluation on tape even after the podcast specifically says to not do this this way then they do it anyway the first criteria is glibness superficial charm when you first meet suzanne or even if you've known her for a while she can be disarmingly charming and full of witty retorts saying exactly what she knows you want to hear. Egocentric, grandiose sense of self-worth. I found a lot of um, evidence for this in, mm-hmm. the, in the interviews that I did with people. I mean, in an interview she did with me, because she'd talk about going to court and wearing the mink coat and how wonderful she looked in it. Pathological um, Toby, what were your thoughts about that? I, I, I couldn't believe that nobody told him that they shouldn't do- Listening to a draft of it in the editing process, we're like, I don't, I don't think you guys want to do this. Mm. Even if you're going to make that jump and be like, hey, we're going to do this, it was like, here's one thing. Oh, I can think of one example that fits that piece of a psychopath. Like they lie a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, she lied about this one thing, so that means that's a two, a two <laughs> on a scale of two. And they're narcissistic. Well, she thought she was very good looking, so that's another two. Um, and it's just like, are, are you serious? Like, are we supposed to take this seriously? And this was the point at which I went from being like, I don't know how I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to feel really kind of shitty because I feel like, you know, it's probably with good intentions that this was made and it just happened to make a lot of bad decisions. That just seems so, especially, you know, for somebody who's an academic, who's an academia, like how can you be an academic and not understand that doing that is totally off. Like that's just, that's just not, it's not happening. So that's a long way of saying I was like kind of horrified and it changed me from just feeling kind of 
bad about the whole thing to being like, this is, you know, beyond just like mistakes. It's mm-hmm. just the the whole sort of conception is wrong. How did it change you, Laura? Um, I was walking while I was listening to it. And I was like, you fucking kidding me right now? So we're going through the, and I went to this course and there's 22 points, but I can't tell you what they are. And I'm like, <laughs> and oh I'm my an God, expert in is- organizational psychology, which is literally like you come to your office and say, hey, you're a fast thinker and I'm a slow thinker. Maybe you shouldn't work together on a project. Yeah. And yeah. then they were like, oh, but then we have this guy and no disrespect to this guy, but like, oh, and he works in a jail in Vermont and he's seen some psychopaths. I'm like, mm. He is not somebody that is qualified to diagnose psychopaths. He's like, oh, I think she's a psychopath. And I'm like, this is like me getting my freaking printable cat detective license. I mean, like, and I'm more legit than these people. I'm just saying. Or like, Rebecca, didn't you get a minister license online to do a wedding? That's what this is. Jesus Christ, Laura, it wasn't a minister license online. I actually became a freaking justice of the peace, for God's sake, in my state. I was certified. Well, I was too. But no, there's the people, like I had a friend who went to Colorado to do a wedding and she had to get like the online minister license. The person who married us did that. I'm like, that's what this nonsense is. But like, what the fuck? Well, so Kevin, so there were two things about that episode that really struck me, aside from the irresponsibility of administering a third party based on recollections through the lens of somebody who already believes she's evil, fake psychopath test on tape with sound effects. (laughs) That was like only part of it. The other part, Kevin, was that, first of all, they say in the podcast, you shouldn't do this. And then they do. But the second half of the episode is about how Suzanne after this incident, had this whole very fucking interesting life. She got her law degree. She got accepted to the bar by like talking about this. She She ran for office. She became a really respected professor that was like her students voted to be like the greatest teacher they ever had. She was she had this very interesting, rich life, a real relationship with her husband that, you know, was her last husband. The keeper. The keeper. Yes. The keeper. (laughs) Like, so they spent half of the episode making the case that she's a psychopath. And in the second half of the episode, like, no, she fucking isn't. Like, she runs a law practice, like, helping women get out of shitty marriages. Like, yeah, I'm confused. I mean, what did you just think of just, I mean, the conceit and the construction of it? Kevin, we talked confused. about- confused. Yeah, why? <laughs> I The whole thing became confusing. <laughs> End of review. Became, it was confusing from the start, Kevin. Why use, why use a lot of words when that will sum it up? That's it. Just end of story. I was confused about everything. I think I was in a fugue state at that point. I don't even remember the stuff about the lawyer. Yeah, she became a lawyer, like a, a successful lawyer. Yeah. And she ran for office. She didn't win, but she's like a Democrat and her points were really good. And she was like, should I do this? I'm afraid my past will come out. And her kid was like, listen, your past comes out. It comes out. It's part of your story. Look at all you've accomplished. Whatever. Like, what oh, is wait, psych- Do we think that was a real radio ad that they played? Uh, no, it was totally fucking recreated. District 44A needs the balanced leadership and understanding that a candidate like Sue Brandon offers. Paid for by Brandon Volunteers Committee, Paul Slayton, Treasurer. Do you think a psychopath would even care to ask whether or not this might come up? If they, I mean, we're watching this thing with Matt Gates right now. Do you think an actual psychopath would give a shit if her daughter was worried about whether or not the past would be resurfaced? Mm, no. I don't know. I give her a one there. A one. <laughs> I'm going to say a 
five. <laughs> Look, if you think we're mean on this podcast, it's nothing like the one star reviews. It's getting oh, on Apple. For fuck's sakes, read but, them. But but at least we're trying to like say why. Yeah. And I'm going to point to one thing. Last week, we talked about the apology line, also from Wondery. Yes. And we all really liked it. And the one knock that we did have on it was we said that Marissa's story sounded too scripted. It didn't sound like she was telling her own story. The story itself was really fascinating. And it had a lot of great sound elements to support it and other interviews. This could have been kind of like that. Although they don't have the same amount of tape, right? They don't have any tape, really. Zero. Uh, Zero tape. But what it shares in common is sort of this sense that somebody came in or multiple people came in. I don't know. There's like 20 people listed. So many people in the credits. So many people. That tried to polish and pull the way that this was going to sound, that it just sounds like a mess. It's a failure (laughs) of concept, right? I mean, I think like um, Dorothy like the Wizard of Oz. Like, she, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm so sorry. If you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. I don't think this is your fault. I yeah. don't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she seems she, like a very nice person. Right, right. She's the person at the center and she's neither used as the sympathetic witness, guest, commentator, nor as like, let's follow this amateur sleuth. It's kind of back and forth with both and I just feel like I, I'm just envisioning the listening session where there were 15 or 20 people from corporate they didn't who are listening to this and everybody threw in a note and everything got done and there's just blood on everybody's hands. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, by the way, is anybody else confused about the fact that Dorothy and the person she thinks killed her beloved uncle, like had a romantic email relationship? Anyone else feel think that was weird? And aren't they related? Yeah. Well, no, no, they're not related because oh. he's related to... Suzanne and she's related to Vern. So they're right. not related. But I will say the fact that, I mean, I, I wish I, they'd pointed that out. I don't mind that Dorothy disclosed that the email relationship got weird, but she never clears up. Listen, I didn't feel that way. That's just where it went. And it was weird. Like, she, it was like, the pod- I didn't want to go to Disney World with the him. The podcast just left it. They had a weird romantic relationship. But then we also heard her on tape saying she thought he killed this person. Anyway. <laughs> Um, we are where we are. It's just, let's, it's just lost. Let's it's do, lost. let's just do what we do. Um, very optimistically for the listeners who fast forwarded to this part to hear us give our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Laura Bricker, thumbs up or thumbs down. Do you think our listeners should check out the new podcast, Manslaughter from Wondery? Oh, absolutely. No. (laughs) No, no, no. You know what? The positive that I will say for this is that when I realized how horrendous this podcast was, I said, I need to just, it's like doing something that you hate to do and you need to get done with. So actually I did this huge, like three and a half mile walk one morning because I was like, I got to just finish this fucking horrendous podcast because we have to talk about it this week. That's the only positive that came from this. And I did see some red-winged blackbirds on my walk. This podcast, I mean, it's just, if you are in college and you are trying to learn how to put a podcast together, you should listen to this podcast to see how not to put a podcast together. And I'm really sorry because, but there's a lot of things they do here that are pretty obvious when you step back use of voice reenactors use of scripting for talking that doesn't sound natural uh there's just a lot going on a lot of uh, unnecessary sound effects uh meow boo 
whatever else was going on. I made a phone call. Yeah. So no, 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 no. Save yourself some time. There's plenty of other podcasts to listen to unless you need to listen to this for a class to learn how not to make a podcast. Is that a thumbs down, Laura? Yes. <laughs> Toby Ball, what about you? Thumbs up or thumbs down for manslaughter? I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to talk about this uh, in like trying to find sort of specific things to be critical of rather than just sort of this global, like, I don't think it worked in any way, but it was, it was hard, man. It just seemed like it wasn't, they needed more thought put into it. They needed somebody to tell them no. In the end, maybe the problem was that they have what seemed like a good story, but it really didn't have the stuff they needed to put it together to be a podcast. So in trying to kind of wedge it in there and doing all these recreations and then like, I don't even know. I I start talking like that and then I can think of like four reasons why that is like giving too much credit for it. Mm. And that Mm -hmm. in fact, there were things that they could have done differently. They had audio for it. Anyway, I'm just, I could just babble for like half an hour about how confusing this whole thing is. It still would be more entertaining. And, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a thumbs down, and I apologize to the people who made it for being this negative, but uh, I just... I, they need to apologize to us. I, yes. I'm still... My mind is a little boggled. Kevin Flynn. Hot fucking mess, thumbs down. I just think they took a book which was not podcast adaptable for the story reasons, for the way it goes, for the elements that they were going to need. And then they took so they took chicken shit, and then they tried to make chicken salad out of it. Oh. And it was just, it didn't work on any level. And I just felt like this was really bad. It's, it's a real hot fucking mess. And <laughs> everybody associated with it should try to go back and do better next time, because I'm looking forward to whatever you're going to put out. Listen, I'm going to say um, everyone associated with it has probably done other things that have been good. Yeah. This is not a thing that I would brag about. This is easily, I don't want to say this is the worst podcast we've ever reviewed. No. But it's up there. It's it's up there. Okay. We'll remember this. So let me just put it this way. There have been podcasts where like they came, even at the beginning of like Wondery stuff, there was stuff we didn't like, right? It was just real bad for whatever reason. It'd be sort of like, there were things we didn't like that came from creators that tried or whatever. This, I think, is so much more bad because it comes from a production house that's doing things that are good and they should fucking know better than to put this in the world. This is so like even if it came from someone who had never made a podcast before, I'd be like, okay, this is real bad, guys. Here's what you need to do. This is more of a crime because it should be better. I actually the source material is just not great and probably not adaptable. I don't think a person's recollection of what they think happened is good or interesting unless there's more to back it up. I just had a horrible thought. What's that? We're like, they took this and they made it awful. What if it was awful and this was the best they could make? It could make? be. It could be. Oh my God, that's let me, worse. Let me just, I'm just going to say that's something. That's horrifying. I am right now working as a story consultant on a podcast. And when I heard there was a story consultant in the credits of this podcast, I was like, this is my worst fucking nightmare. The thing that I am like consulting with right now turns into this. This is bad. It's just bad, irresponsible. It's not just bad. It's also like irresponsible. And there's so many things. We'll talk about it more in the after show. Huge thumbs down for me for uh, Manslaughter from Wondery. And if you hate us, you can give us a one-star review. They will. That won't be as bad as the one-star reviews for <laughs> Manslaughter. <laughs> uh, you can give it a shot, though. 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right. You remembered it right. We hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Wondery. Thank you again. When are they going to come out with their um, sequel, Woman Slaughter? Um, I hope not. Woman Slaughter. Woman Slaughter. Hey, listen. Gender is a construct, right? It is. And so is that podcast. (laughs) All right. Is that going to do it, Kevin? Yeah. Why don't you read the rest of it? Well, this show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio. Otherwise, known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement where we also make podcasts that no one has the guts to tell us are unlistenable. Fortunately. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you Later. later. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.